You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast, episode 39 for Sunday, the 13th of September, 2020. Bits and bobs. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm your host for the show and I'm coming to you for the last time, probably for a long while, uh, from the beautiful city of Hamburg in Germany, just off runway 33 of Hamburg International Airport from my flat, from my home studio, where I'm sitting in the middle of a lot of boxes. And it's it's chaos. I'm staring at a hole, somewhat of a hole in the wall that I still have to fix tomorrow. I <laughs> uh, hope I get that done. Um, if I sound a little bit different, this room already uh, is devoid of a lot of furniture, so it, it'll be more echoey. And you'll probably hear my wife in the background um, tearing up... Um, plastic or, or paper boxes or stacking stuff and things falling over so i uh, don't mind that yeah so this is the last episode from hamburg um to celebrate i'm gonna have a lensburg pilsner um we've been packing this is now the third day of packing although we had a we did a party yesterday so there wasn't much packing going on uh, so yeah it's very very exciting um if everything goes according to plan um, the next episode will be uh, will be reaching you from the city of Düsseldorf. Um, I'll I'll need some time, as I mentioned before, to move in and everything. So so you know expect uh, the very end of September or probably the beginning of October for the next episode. But you know I tried my best to get some episodes out before that. And um, here's a here's the last one. Here's the last one to do. Um, it's titled Bits and Bobs because, to be honest, that's what it is. There's just some stuff that I think uh, we need to take care of. Um, some updates on an older story, uh, some new stuff, and then a nice nice feature of an app I found, which is um, which I think is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, so I, I thought that's, you know, it's all, all stuff I want to get in. Um, and then, uh, you know, have a, have a last show here and, and wrap that all up. And then I can, I can move, um, you know, I got my, got the brain space to move and everything. And then, then we'll start, we'll start fresh with, with new topics. Um, yeah, I'm doing this. I still have my, obviously still my PC up, my studio. Uh, this is like the last thing I'm doing, uh, here I'm. Uh, I haven't worked for a few days. Um, lots of stuff to sort out. We had to build a kitchen in the new flat and stuff like that. Trying to sort out internet connection and all of this lovely, lovely stuff. And um, so I'll, I'll after this, I'll, I'll, I'll record this episode and then I'll, um, I'll, I'll master it and upload it and release it and then I'll, I'll pack up the computer. Um, and then, then there won't be, there won't be much going on until. Uh, Till we're in Düsseldorf and we get everything unpacked. So, um, but so far it's going, it's going, um, it's going well. Um, I do hate moving. Um, I'm, I'm doing it quite a lot. Um, I've, I've just uh, looked up. I did earlier today. I was uh, somebody was like, uh, I was tweeting about this that I hate moving, and they're like, ah, oh, we're not planning to move. And you know, I, I hadn't planned to move much, but apparently I'm, I'm kind of a gypsy because since 2012, I have moved. Uh, from Bonn, so inside Bonn twice. Uh, so this is like often these, you know, I, I was moving and then my wife was staying somewhere and then she was moving somewhere and then I was moving after. So we moved inside Bonn twice, then moved to, from Bonn to London, from London to Hanover, from Bonn to Hanover, um, then from Hanover to Hamburg, then inside of Hamburg twice, and then from Hanover to Hamburg again. So that was, you know, me coming 
you're following my wife. And and now we're moving from Hamburg to Düsseldorf. That that's all in the span of less than ten years. <laughs> uh yeah, bit of a bit of a highway man, I guess. Um but you know, what do you what do you gotta do? Uh you know, when you when you're freelancer you can work from everywhere. Whereas the wife has a real career, so uh gotta gotta follow her around for a bit. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, that's that's it for the move. So you so you're you're briefed on everything. A uh, bit bit of a special situation for me right now. So let's get into the topics that we're gonna talk about. Um so the first thing the first thing I want to talk about is um I talked about on episode I did an episode thirty-six that was the episode about whistleblowers um, where I talked about how why whistleblowers are important. And um, the story I spun that out of was uh, this recent intelligence scandal um, in the Danish, um, in, in Denmark, you know, Danish, uh, Danish intelligence. I'm not going to, well, Mike is going to laugh his ass off. So I'm, I'm going to just say this once and I'm using the English name for the intelligence service. Um, so that is the F.E., intelligence service the um danish danish defense intelligence service or in danish something like something like that and then they have of course the oversight committee the tet the tilsinet mit or something like that um danish defense intelligence service they had a whistleblower um come out and uh, share some information with this oversight committee about um, things going on in Denmark where, you know, there are like many intelligence services, they're like the, um, uh, the foreign intelligence service. So they're not, they're not supposed to spy on Danish citizens. And something had happened where um, they were apparently for years doing that, spying on Danish citizens and uh, denying it. And, you know, the, uh, the um, oversight service uh, committee thing tried to uh, investigate that but you know they were stonewalled and um, the government wasn't giving given any information so the intelligence service basically uh, you know uh, tried to cover it up and then a whistleblower came out and and uh, so all of this came out and I had uh, speculated a bit on the show what that might have been and I speculated that maybe it might have been like a exchange with uh, the an American intelligence service like the NSA or something like you know the BND does in Germany where you know they basically so because they can't spy on German citizens and the uh, you know NSA for example can't is not supposed to spy on American citizens um, they just use the data the Germans have on American citizens and exchange that for the data the Americans have on German citizens. And it seems to be very much um, of this nature. Apparently, it's the NSA. So um, from a story here on Reuters, I think that came out a bit after I did that initial episode. Um, Denmark's foreign intelligence unit has shared raw data from information cables with the U.S. National Security Agency, which could have given the NSA access to Danish citizens' personal data and private communications, according to state broadcaster DR. DR said late on Thursday, quoting sources, that the case is linked to the sharing of large quantities of information with the NSA. The Ministry of Defense declined to comment on the DR report when contacted by Reuters. It was temporarily suspended where the head of the service, Lars Finsen, we had, we had talked about that, but then another name came out here, uh, former head and current permanent secretary of the Ministry of Defense. Um, so 
Uh, those temporarily suspended were the head of the service, Lars Finsen, former head and current permanent secretary of the Defense Ministry of Defense, Thomas Arenkiel, and two other unnamed officials. And this, um, when I did this last episode, um, I didn't know about this Thomas Arenkiel thing. Um, so he is the, um, as it says, uh, current per- permanent ha- permanent secretary at the Ministry of Defense. I don't think right now. I think he's. I mean, he's obviously suspended. But more importantly, uh, Thomas Arnkiel was supposed to become the new Danish ambassador to Germany um, at the beginning of September, and of course that didn't happen. So here is a um, a story from I think what's what's this uh, the I think it's Cop- Copenhagen. Uh, is this Copen Copenhagen Post or something? Uh, yeah, I think this is the Copenhagen Post. They have like an international uh, section. Um, and cphpost.dk uh, links as always, uh, you know, as you will know by now, private citizen.press, uh, the show notes has all the, all the information and, and they, they are saying, um, Susanne, Susanne Hildelund, the former head of the trade council and global sustainability, uh, of the Trade Council and Global Sustainability takes her position as Danish ambassador to Germany today. The position had been earmarked for Thomas Arenkiel since June 30th, but he was sent home in the wake of criticism surrounding the Defense Intelligence Service, which he led until 2015. So apparently, you know, because he was involved, um, he's now also also suspended and he's not he didn't become the new Danish ambassador to Germany. So it's, it's drawing some, some circles. So we now know that they shared information with the NSA. Um, we don't know much more than that. Uh, much on top of that. Um, at least I haven't, I couldn't find anything. Um, there, there may be something in the local press. So once again, if anybody knows anything, any details about this, uh, please contact me. Uh, contact details are uh, in the show notes as well, privatecitizen.press under um, producer feedback. There's a link, and I do have a. Um, if you want to do this anonymously, I have like a whistle drop drop. So this contact thing goes to my blog fab.industries, and there's this information on there how to use that. That being said, um, I looked at it this morning, and for some reason the domain is down. There's some SSL error. Um, I don't believe it's on my end. I believe it's on, so it's run by Tutanota and I've, I've talked to them, um, and said, you know, can you sort this out? Although it's Sunday, so it, it might take a few days. Um, I don't know. And I can't really do anything because I'm moving. So just be aware if you notice that the situation is being worked on, it is hopefully being resolved. This is one of the things with SSL. Everybody's like, ah, SSL is automatic. You know, I talked about this early on in the podcast. SSL is automatic now. Why don't you use it? It's so easy. Yeah, it is generally. And then something breaks, something like this. And something breaks at some end and then you're, you're in the shit. But, you know, got to deal with that now. Gotta, I'm going to sort sort that out. And, um, yeah, so if you have any information, if you speak Danish and you got some, some stuff from the Danish press, maybe something you can translate, maybe what exactly these cables were that they shared and, you know, maybe what, I, I mean, there, there must've been an exchange. So of course they were obviously sharing data on Danish citizens. Uh, they must've, I mean, the, the idea is probably that they got stuff on Danish citizens back from the NSA. Maybe, um, we, we don't know. That that would that would be interesting. 
that would be interesting to know. So I just wanted to update you a little bit on that because I said, you know, I'm continuing to be on the story. That's pretty interesting to me. And um, we'll see. We'll see if, um, if something else comes of that, I guess. There's also another story that I had uh, noticed that I wanted to quickly talk about because, um, I don't know, it kind of fits in the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, I've done quite a few episodes on like uh, smart home devices and stuff like that and, and tracking and how how it's being used. And um, I, I saw this story on the register and I have a feeling that, I mean, this is about Google um, trying to push their kind of smart home hub technology into hotel rooms. And it's kind of a feeling, I have kind of a feeling that's like, okay, you've got stuff at home. We can kind of spy on you there, right? We know a lot of what you're doing in your home because of, you know, I mean, not only Google, but Amazon as well. Amazon with stuff like Alexa and Google with their, I don't know what it's called now, you know, the okay Google stuff. And, um, you know, they they know a lot of stuff, but apparently uh, they are not happy with that because they don't, if you're not traveling, they don't know anything. Uh, what you're doing in, in a hotel room. And so now they want to get their devices um, in hotel rooms. And of course, of course, uh, what else would they do to explain this? Um, they're, of course, using COVID-19 um, as an excuse um, to do this, to do this stuff. Because why not? Because that's what you use. You know, that's what you do these days. Uh, if you've got a press release, it, it has to mention coronavirus or COVID at least once, I guess. Otherwise, it's not a press release in 2020. Um, so what they're saying, this is actually hilarious. So, um, probably a little bit of rant incoming here. Uh, just be aware. But um, just quoting from this register story, uh, Google wants its Nest Hub to become a fixture in hotel rooms so that guests can enjoy their stay without having to actually touch any of the amenities they are paying for. The device, which is being piloted in several hotels across the US and the UK, offers guests the chance to replace calls to hotel staff with a hub device that listens in on requests for more towels or information about pool closing, closing times. Google's sell for this new, quote, hospitality solution, unquote, is that it allows guests uh, to use the hotel's amenities without having to speak to another actual human being or touch the room's potentially plague-ridden telephone. Quote, whatever reason is driving you to consider staying in a hotel room, you know you want to take as many precautions as possible, end quote, wrote Tom Franklin, product manager of Google Assistance, uh, Assistant in a blog post. And this to me is like this, this, I mean, I've often talked about, there's like a special culture, a special mindset that, it, it you know, covering technology um, from, you know, in my case, Germany. But, you know, if you're covering technology from somewhere, it's like the register people right there in London. Um, you, you get a lot of these stuff, news and press releases and stuff from Silicon Valley. And there's like this special mindset to things uh, where, you know, they're generally quite okay with tracking and stuff. And, oh, look, shiny, shiny technology. You know, don't no, don't mention the tracking. We don't care about that. And now with, with coronavirus, it's like this absolute fear that I feel a lot of tech people have um, actually talked to some people about this recently um, some people I know and there's this there's this especially tech people are reacting to this um, virus completely um, 
I would almost say unhinged, right? They're, they're not, they're, this is like, for them, this is like really, really scary and like completely new. Um, whereas, you know, infectious diseases <laughs> are nothing new, you know, uh, especially uh, respiratory uh, viruses. I mean, come on. But like, this is very special. And there's this, this is this, um, the new normal that I also talked about on the show, I feel, where they they say in this Google blog post, whatever reason is driving you to consider staying in a hotel room. That sounds like staying in a hotel room is now the worst thing ever. Like whatever reason is driving you, it's almost like it's, it's forcing you. Why would you, why would anybody stay in a hotel room? And this is, this is idiotic. I mean, I can understand if you're worried about coronavirus, right? You don't want to go to events. You don't want to meet a lot of people. I can understand that. But staying in a hotel room, I mean, these people are, they're just, they're not even up with, with any of, like, read anything. Read any scientific um, studies on SARS-CoV-2. There is no spread happening via surfaces not at all i know everybody's disinfecting everything i know that but it doesn't make absolutely no sense i mean the, the guy streak uh, the german guy who did the heinsberg study when they had the big outbreak in germany they they meticulously you know they went into uh i think 60 houses of people and asked them all this kind of stuff that they, they took um samples everywhere and they couldn't find a, a single place where they found uh, coronavirus particle, like SARS-CoV-2 particles uh, that could spread the disease on any surface at all. And that has been, um, that has been shown ever since then to be, you know, that's the scientific consensus. That is what all the, all the studies into this stuff say. But there's still this stuff around from early on where the WHO said, oh, better not, you know, because lots of viruses are, or a lot of bacteria, but some viruses as well spread spread via surfaces, and they had this this guidance against you know disinfect all surfaces, whatever. Um, but people haven't caught up to the fact that surfaces are not there. I mean, that's that's one side of this, but you know, whatever reason is driving you to consider staying in a hotel. I mean, what? Whatever reason might be driving you to live a normal life in these end times, they're just completely off their rocker. And I mean, this is not just one guy. This is Google's PR department. So they've read this, right? This has been proofread to hell. So you can, you can, you know that this is like the government, the government, this is like the, 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 the corporate, um, this is, this is the feeling they have. Like this is Google's corporate understanding of the situation. This is not one guy at Google. This is what they think life is like now. And this just this, this is just a symptom of me of how disconnected they are with reality. And I mean, when we're talking about privacy, they're completely disconnected. I feel um, these people working with these Silicon Valley companies, they're completely disconnected with millions and millions of people uh, that live around the world that have a certain expectation of privacy that they don't understand. Right, they make products and features and stuff um, where they're like, yeah, yeah, we're tracking everything, and they're just completely. I mean, I don't understand how they can be unaware of this because we now have the GDPR, and it's you know, everybody around the world must have understood that at least in Europe, uh, the situation is completely different. But Google's like, no, 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 oh, tra tracking is fine. I just don't want to stay in a hotel room. Ooh, that's icky. It's like their their priorities like this is completely different from a lot of other people, and I feel like. You know, you're listening to the show. You're probably 
you're probably more on, on the spectrum you're probably on my more on my side than on google's but i just wanted to highlight this and it goes on with you know talking about this of course this is completely harmless right so this is no privacy issue at all um so quoting further from this register story um, for those worried about google assistant listening in on what whatever it is they get up to in hotel rooms which often is to be honest, fucking people. <laughs> Google says the device has no camera and its microphone can be switched off. Quote, no audio is ever stored and any activities will be wiped from the device when it's reset for the next guest. End quote, Franklin promised. Yeah, right. Is this a promise? Like, you know, when Google said when no human is listening to these recordings and it turned out there were like farms of people who listen to these recordings because the ai was shit and it was basically just people listening to it um you know is, is that a is that a promise like that kind of promise because that promise was worth nothing i doubt i doubt it i highly like no i mean no audio is ever stored yes probably i believe it's it's directly streamed to google servers right and it's probably stored there and activities will be wiped from the device when it's reset for the next guest. Yeah, sure. Uh, we just keep the activities on our server, right? I mean, what other reasons reason would Google have to put these things in hotel rooms? And come on. Um, the new features are largely hotel-centric tweaks to existing Google Assistant functions, which the company promises can be connected to in-room entertainment devices or even control the rooms, blinds, TV, and lights. You know, stuff you could with switches but okay google also suggests the device could be used to replace a concierge by offering recommendations and bookings for local restaurants i mean this is not this is a this is a solution looking for a problem i mean you've got switches for getting letting the blinds down right what's so hard about using those and if you were like one of these silicon valley uh, people who's programmer dudes who's scared to death just disinfect the fucking you have your disinfectant with you at all times right now anyway just disinfect the fucking button before you use it and then your hands and then your mouth from the i don't know what they do um i mean yeah concierge concierge you don't want to talk with a concierge i don't want to do that i'm a nerd as well but i have i have i have google maps if i want to use it right i don't have to i don't have to have a spy device in my room to i, I already have a solution for this it's google's fucking solution you can you, i mean i don't get it is this like just Zoomer stuff where you don't want to touch anything anymore and don't want to talk to people and you're completely okay with like completely setting out your privacy for that so you, that you don't have any privacy? I mean, I understand if it's solving a problem, right? It's, you know, this whole, this whole thing we're living in now, a lot of these problems are because of the smartphone, right? And the smartphone at least it's it's like it's a useful device it's solving problems right i just feel like these these things that you can talk to they're not solving problems that i'm having and whenever i talk to people who have like an alexa or whatever they're like yeah I keep, i'm cooking and then i can change the music i don't have to like you know because i have my hands are dirty or whatever and that that is like their that is like their um reason for having that device i'm like yeah okay i'll just put my hand on the water dry off my hands and change the music five seconds later like really that is that is the that is the problem you're having uh, while you're putting an always on spy microphone into your home like seriously <laughs> I, I i don't i don't get it i don't maybe i'm 
I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not normal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I'd be interested how you how you think. Uh, you know, what what do you what do you think about this? Am I like overdoing this? Is this a useful feature to have in hotels? Um, I'm open to feedback. Um, as usual, privatecitizen.press, All the information on there. Um, we got some feedback today. Uh, just a little bit. Um, so you know, just send some in. Uh, you have a few weeks now uh, until the next episode, and I'll I'll be collecting that, and we'll be talking about that, and I'll be happy if you write in. So please do. Um, yeah. So that's the thing about the hotel rooms. I just thought that this is a story. It's just this is just a head shaker for me. But I also thought uh, we should be aware of that. Uh, we should be aware of the fact that they're putting this shit in hotel rooms now, and especially uh, if you're in the UK, you might actually be. Um, you might actually actually see the yeah, experience this uh, now, so thought uh, it'll be handy. It'll be handy to um, to be aware of. And now there's a, just a, la- a a third thing I want to talk about, and this is um, this is part of the uh, of the grid segment. OTG going OTG. I'm an OTG kind of guy. I can't believe all this mess happened in Iowa because of an app. Hey, I'm an OTG guy. I have an idea for an app. It's called No App. No apps, no computers, no gadgets, no gizmos. <laughs> Once again, thanks to No Agenda, I stole this uh, jingle. Of them. They have this OTG segment, which is about a lot of other stuff, stuff as well, like not using apps and stuff. I'm not. I'm not. Um, when when I talk about OTG thing, that's not so much my focus. I'm more on the uh, the, the, the tracking, uh, um, avoiding uh, avoiding tracking and stuff's more my thing. And I you know I said um, I, I talked about this on the show previously, and I'm I'm trying to collect like I'm not not only a lot of the stuff I'm doing here is like showing where where like apps do things you might want to be aware of you might want to avoid but i also want to be more constructive so my off the grid uh, otg segment here is more about things where where that actually give you a choice or you know that help you avoid tracking and there's something i came across um recently which i wanted to share with you i had that on my to-do list for a bit and i thought i'll i'll do that now because this is kind of an episode where it where it fits right um and that is so the iOS um, podcast client Overcast, which I'm generally I'm I'm not really using. Um, I've installed it now to check this feature. I, I I have used it in the past. I usually use Pocket Casts. It's, I just it's just my favorite uh, podcatcher. But you know I I'd heard from a lot of people that Overcast is really good. Um, it's an iOS client. Um, it is um, you know it has it's like uh, you you can buy a pro version or you have some ads in there. But the ads are actually quite unintrusive and they're add to other podcasts so you know for podcasts basically so i i don't think that's really bad it seems to be a, a solid app um but the thing i want to talk about they are they now have a new feature they have a, a beta version that you know on ios you need to install uh, this test pilot thing and then you can opt in to beta version and this is a public beta so if you have test pilot you can just use that um if you just uh, search for overcast uh beta in program or whatever beta download you'll find it uh, how to opt in explain to you and you can just do that and if you do that um, you can just uh, if you search for a podcast uh, on the on its page there'll be like a privacy link and if you click on that um, it shows you um, as far as it can the podcast client can tell from the download link um, what or you know the, the 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 audio files and 
and, and what services are used. Um, so what, what kind of tracking technologies the podcast uses or the, you know, the publisher of the podcast. And, um, so if you go to the private citizen on there, uh, it just says, uh, service cdn.fab.industries, which is, you know, fab industries, my blog, this is my website that I run everything through. And the CDN, that's the server. That's, you know, the server that I always talk about that ByteMark, um, graciously, uh, hosts for me for free and that's where the audio files come from and then it says unknown cap tracking capabilities unknown because it, you know it doesn't it doesn't know in my case that means there isn't any tracking except the stuff they also mention at the top um it says uh, it says this for every podcast um this podcast serves its audio through the services below downloading or streaming its episodes will reveal your ip address to them which they may use to derive information about you and you know my my policy is yes you know i have server logs i keep them for 30 days which is the general um i think safe amount of time under the gdpr and then they're just deleted um i derive some some very rudimentary stats from that but basically tells me a little bit where my listeners are from and how many people are downloading the file which you know it's not that useful because you don't know um you don't know if people actually listen to it. It doesn't really tell you how many listens you have because there are services out there um, that download the file once to like their own CDN and then mirror it. So people listening to those um, get counted as, as one download for me. So I don't, you know, but it's it's some information and, you know, it's deleted after 30 days. So that's, um, that's like my website statistics as well. Um, I put a, I put a picture up in the show notes, private citizen press of another podcast that actually uses tracking so you can see what this looks like in this case is wrestle me which is a wrestling podcast i listen to and um it says so uh the service they're using is acast which is a professional podcast um they host podcasts for you and then also uh, do advertising do all of that and it says it uses DAI dynamic ad insertion may insert custom ads in each download which may include local ads for your region or other personal targeted ads which is actually hilarious because um, I don't know I listened to at one point um, where was I I we, we were some like we were on holiday we were like, and I think it was even in Denmark. I was in Denmark and I was like that downloading. Um, I was on somebody's Wi-Fi and I was downloading a few podcast episodes to listen to on the road. And I just got the weirdest ads because they, they just could tell that I was in Denmark and I got some really weird Danish ads that I couldn't understand. <laughs> um, this sometimes is a funny thing happening. Um, so it uses that a dynamic ad insertion and it also says tracking may follow individual listener behavior across multiple shows or the web often to track responses to ads. So I really like this. And it also says hosting serves feeds of files and may include basic measurements. Um, so, so I like this. I like this feature is really good. I think more podcast uh, clients should have that. I think uh, Pocket Cast could probably also do this. You can clearly see that they just figure out, you know, okay, they use ACAST and then they have a list of stuff that ACAST does um, of its capabilities and for 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 you know see the end of trap industries obviously they don't know um but i think it was pretty handy so um there was a story 
uh, about this on the verge and they say here um in the story for example the verge cast which is you know the verge is tech podcast tech news podcast uh, uses megaphone to host its podcast track and insert its dynamic ads it also relies on chartable this is something a lot of podcasts use a podcast marketing company for further tracking and stats collecting as well as pod sites and pod track which i i tried for for um, my you know my one of my podcasts in you know, a few years ago, um, just to figure that out. Uh, and pod track for even more tracking and stats. Within Overcast, you can tap on the services to learn, learn more about them. And I thought this was this was good. This is this is what I mean when I said, you know, do you do you have any apps or any capabilities you can recommend? If you find find stories like that, please send send them to me. Private citizen press. I, I like to uh, collect these um for for the um of the grid segment. <laughs> Just to give people, you know, some 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 apps or maybe capabilities where they can figure stuff like this out. I think this is important. It's very important to me. I get a lot of my news from podcasts these days. I watch no TV. I don't listen to the radio. Um, I read a lot of stuff for news. Obviously, I'm a journalist. So I do a lot of research. Um, but I also get a lot of information from podcasts. I think podcasts are really useful for this, especially these days. Um, you get a lot of information that it's like a it's like a separate channel it's you know a lot of these people are not professional journalists and you know you get you get a lot of stuff in news that you wouldn't get or different viewpoints that you wouldn't get on you know the mainstream media to use that term which people don't like but you know that's what it is um which is you know can be i wouldn't say dangerous but some sometimes obviously it's bullshit um you need to be able to filter that out for yourself but it opens you up to a lot more lot more viewpoints um i think podcasts are very important for that these days um and it gets more more and more important actually i listened to a an episode of no agenda which i mentioned a lot mostly because you know this this model that i'm running the podcast for uh, with this value for value model you know having a podcast out there um for free and um having people decide if they want to um support it how they want to support it for themselves is something that Adam Curry and uh, John C. Devorak from No Agenda basically came up with uh, for podcasts. And, you know, I, I respect them for that. And they have insights on podcasting sometimes. And so I, I got this, this little clip from a uh, No Agenda episode a while ago, which I, I really liked. So, you know, they're, they're talking about cancel, cancel culture and stuff like that, you know, when um, certain things that, you know, you just can't report on because... Um, I mean, I talked about this with Mike as well, you know, the Meta EV stuff and, you know, at the New York Times and stuff like that, where there's, there's cultures that, that build in these newsrooms and then, you know, you're, it's not, it's not like hard censorship or anything. It's just like this culture. And if you don't fit in there, if you have other opinions can often be hard uh, for you to publish that and you might even lose your job, right? People might call you out on stuff you said, and it might not be the editorial line. And there's very few places left these days in journalism where they, they do tolerate different opinions within their editorial team. Right. And I feel like podcasts, because they're more of a grassroots movement um, are a good, good alternative to that especially if you're what i like to call like a pure podcast right there's lots of podcasts which are just done by um news organizations and they are they're basically just you know they're doing radio or they're doing a podcast the same thing um and there's lots of podcast networks and stuff i like i've, I've been gravitating more and more to like these 
grassroots old school podcast which is you know it's just a few guys and it's just they're hosting it themselves and this is something that's become more and more important so adam talked about this quickly at the end of some uh one of the no agenda episodes so i just i just want to play that for a second because i th- thought this was uh this was very very important um a very important insight really yeah it's it's a great time to be a podcaster that's all i can say very very proud <laughs> yeah. of with your own network to distribute yourself without having to go through Podbean or any of these uh, <laughs> operations going oh you know we don't think your podcast is suitable anymore <laughs> yeah and i feel like that as well you know if you have got your own server you got your own people supporting you like nobody can cut you off um you're pretty proof against the stuff uh, against people. So oh, they don't. They say something on there that I don't want. You know that 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 shouldn't be shouldn't be said. You you that's the, that's pretty much the only vestige left uh, where you can do this kind of stuff. So I thought this was very important. Yeah, and it's a great time to be, be a podcaster, which um, which is why I will be back as soon as I've got this moving moving done. But before I wrap up this show, I just want to uh, quickly address some see- feedback I got from Barry Williams. On um, so he he was um, he was leaving us via the Discord. I've, so the people that support the show um, via Patreon, you know, they take out a subscription every month and they they, they decide what the show is worth to them. And they one of the it's not really about rewards to be honest, but one of the things I give them is access to this Discord channel. If you don't know, Discord's kind of like a Slack for gamers. It's like a chat thing. It's like I graphical IRC. Um and it's um you know it's just a it's just another line where you can talk to me directly. And so uh Barry Williams did that and Barry Barry said the following thing. Um in your immunization promises he's talking about the most recent episode. Um you say that just because you are immune to a virus doesn't mean you cannot spread it. While it may technically be correct, I would say the ability to spread would be far reduced due to the body destroying all the virus um so it there so there's less active virus to spread and he's of course right on on the on this um this is generally how it works um so there's this idea of virus loads of every virus the um the amount of particles somebody needs to get into their system to be infected is different it's also often different where you get them you you know how how they how you get them into your body um and it varies vi- widely so there are viruses where you need a lot and you need a lot of exposure and there's there's stuff like you know hiv is famous for this where you know it's just very very few virus particles um at the right spot and you, you know you you got it so the the the, the problem with SARS-CoV-2 um as far as i can tell from the from what i've read in the scientific literature is that people don't know this is very it's still it's there's 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 papers and studies that say very different things on this um so there's no real consensus so we don't really know but yes uh barry is definitely correct on that and um, also one thing i want to note note i was listening back to that episode and i think when i was explaining things at some point or at several points i confused anti-gene with antibody um, I tend to do that because the words are just um, too too similar. So please don't, you know, it's not because I I don't understand what I'm talking about. It's just something that happens. Um, 
I just want to mention that. So um, you might have to uh, forgive me for that um, if I if I if I did that at some point. Anyway, uh, Barry continues. Um, this is the idea of herd immunity. So if you if I cannot be immunized for some reason, I am still protected. Um, also in Australia, it is not. She's, she's in Australia. It is now mandatory to be up to date with immunization to attend school or childcare. I agree with this because I want to be sure when I send my child to school they are safe. There are exemptions, so if you medically cannot be immunized, you can attend school, and herd immunity will allow these people to attend school safely. Now, generally, you're right about this. The problem here is that herd immunity in air quotes is not really a scientific term. Um, Yes, so a, a, a vaccine is generally the idea is to get to herd immunity. So basically, what you want to so a, vac a vaccine does two things. Um, if you get it, it should protect you yourself uh, from getting the virus if you get into contact or you know if you or the, uh, whatever the disease is generally virus. Um, if you get in contact with somebody who has it. Um, That that is that is you know that is the primary goal I would say, but yes there is also a secondary um, goal which is scientifically um, disputed. So this is not something that you know we know works and it doesn't work in it certainly doesn't work in every case. So the idea is that if you get enough, if you have a certain population, let's say you're in Australia, it's a very confined country. You know it's it's a it's a good well definable population, and and if you immunize enough people against a disease then you can kind of wipe out the disease in your um in in your population um because if somebody so so the, the virus obviously works like this you're infected and if you do not meet anybody uh, so in the time where you where you're spreading this is not the incubation period there's a different time but you know there's a there's a certain time where you're shedding the virus where you're infecting other people if in that time you do not meet anybody else you can infect then you know the the infection chain ends with you obviously and if that happens a lot for every infection chain then you can just stop the disease right because at some point if, if the virus can't spread then you'll get to a point where nobody in your population has the virus anymore either because they had it and got well and didn't infect anybody or they had it and died uh, hopefully not but you know and didn't infect anybody so you will stop the infection chain now this has been tried with lots of vaccines in the past to do this kind of artificially and it has I think he, I th I'm pretty sure it has never worked completely, right? Even with measles, uh, where the WHO declared, I think this was in the 90s uh, sometime. So they declared the measles are gone. They don't, they, 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 was it smallpox? I don't know. It might have been smallpox. I think they tried it for measles. I think, was it smallpox? It was, I think it was smallpox. It was some disease where the WHO said in the 90s, we've, we've wiped this off the face of the planet. And of course, we, it's now back. Um, which is because there was some reservoir of the disease somewhere, probably not any human population, and somebody reinfected themselves. It's like the Black Plague. Like, we had a case or several cases of Black Plague uh, this year, uh, I think in Mongolia, um, and it came from animals, right? So there's, a, there's obviously a reservoir of this disease, uh, in this case, uh, the bacteria, Yersinia pestis, um, in animals. And if somebody's so dumb and eats one of those animals, for example... Um, then you might get it right, and so so yes, generally that's an it. 
it's a let let me put it this way it's a laudable goal it doesn't always work i'm i'm very skeptical that it will work with something like uh, SARS-CoV-2 um it you know it 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 would probably probably work with something like Ebola you know if it had an Ebola vaccine because you do, you generally don't have that many people infected because it's so deadly um, you know, people are, first of all, people are so scared of it and it just kills too many people. Like Ebola is not a very effective virus from a f- survival standpoint for itself because it just kills too many people and kills them too fast. Um, something like SARS-CoV-2, which is undetected, um, as, as you know, more and more we'll find, we find now uh, that there's a lot of people who do not have symptoms, but they're still spreading it. So it's around in the population everywhere, and we really can't detect it that well. And, you know, even a lot of our shutdowns obviously don't stop the spread completely. So I don't think that'll work. Um, of course, with the herd immunity, with the vaccine, if the vaccine actually works, we get it. Um, if if this virus is a virus that stays the way it is, kind of like SARS-1 was, right, we can probably do this because we can then vaccinate a lot of people over the next few years and then like in five years or whatever, we'll be gone. There will be just enough people that are vaccinated um, that, you know, where their body kills the virus that the spread just doesn't happen anymore. Um, but, you know, if, if if it turns out, and we still don't know this, that this is like a seasonal thing where it changes and it'll come back next year different, kind of like the flu and then you have like five strains around after a few years and then you know then no we will probably this will not work and i'm also a bit wary about this you know i can understand why countries do this with the child care and whatever but the the truth is they're promising you something that probably isn't attainable like you're not you you can't so barry says um i want to be sure when i send my child to school that they are safe well you cannot be sure um, I mean, I don't have children, so I don't understand this, you know, I don't understand on an emotional level this, I, I'm prepared to admit this, uh, the, you know, the, the, this feeling that parents have that they absolutely want to keep their child safe. I understand that on an intellectual level, but not on a, you know, on a gut level. So I can't really feel, I don't know how you feel. Um, but, you know, looking at it from an outside, of course, you cannot, you can never be sure, right? You know with anything you know it's there could be child uh, you know people who molest children working in the in the child care center right so you can never be sure that's not the case same thing with diseases there's all kinds of diseases that children get and um and generally they're okay i think especially with corona with this SARS-CoV-2 it's not a thing to worry because it doesn't seem like children are at all uh, endangered by this i mean I understand this to a large degree for like child diseases, like the classical ones where um, they can be relatively bad and, you know, it makes sense to vaccinate them against it. But I just don't feel um, that this is a philosophical thing, right? I don't feel like we should say as a state, you know, they need to be vaccinated against everything or whatever. I think you need to decide where it does make sense. It's always, it's it's not a, I think people want this to be, um, this is something I talked about as well about, you know, when I, when I talk to people about this, um, you know, programmer types in Silicon Valley people and their fear of this virus. I think the problem is a lot of people have this fundamentalist view of things. Um, you know, they want, they want to be safe. They want, they want to eradicate this thing. They want to, you know, I think programmers are especially bad at with this because they have a very bad, um, I think just training from their job. They just don't, 
can deal with risks in life very well i feel um they always want to you know they want to they want perfect software they want you know they want to eradicate the bugs and they want to solve the problem now this problem like this disease is not a problem it's probably not a problem we can solve we can make it better but there will always be a risk and same with children like if you have children if you send them to school if they go outside there's a risk they'll hurt themselves or they'll get a disease but if you look at it generally children are okay and there's just some disease they need to get um you know there's there's just there's a case to be made that children just need to um need to get certain things and need to get sick so that, that that's what trains your immune system obviously yes you can do that with with a with a vaccine right um but like in this case okay let's say i had children right and they would they would say okay we need to vaccinate your child now we got the vaccine now the vaccine works we have a vaccine against coronavirus yeah sars cov2 and we need to vaccinate your child and you know, the argument be it's for the safety of your child i'm like that's bullshit because if you read if you read any study, any literature, any, look at the raw data, children are not at risk at this, not at all. And if there was a, like a new vaccine, I would I would personally weigh like you know we have a vaccine that we don't know what it does long term to the human body, and we have a disease that does will not harm my child if they get it right. So I would I, I wouldn't vaccinate them personally. I don't know what my wife my wife would have, probably have a different opinion about this, but you know that's that's the thing. And then the other arguments, of course, yes, but your child could infect other people, blah blah blah. So it's your responsibility towards society. And I just don't feel like that. I feel like I, I would feel like the the health of my child was more important than that. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a it's a discussion you can have. But generally, yes, uh, I think Barry, uh, I think you're you're right. I mean, that's certainly the idea. Um, the problem is just like with this herd immunity stuff does it does it work right and obviously we're not like if that's the goal um what i don't understand is like the flatten the curve is completely uh contradictory to that so what 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 they're basically trying to do right now um in you know in the country in germany and in other countries is they did the opposite thing to herd immunity they tried to get society tweak society in a way that um very like the, the the minimal amount of people get get infected which means the minimal amount of people are resistant against this and with, now we wait for a vaccine that we don't know if it's going to come or if it's work and then we'll give that to everybody and then we'll have herd immunity we could have also just let the disease you know spread not unchecked but you know work its way through the population what a lot of epidemiologists if you read stuff that was said in the in, in february and march said that's what you do that's what you had on we don't have a vaccine we don't know when a vaccine's coming this whole lockdown flatten the curve thing might be really counterproductive to what we're trying to do here but they were very quickly silenced uh, and i mean silenced you know it's people saying this stuff was deleted off youtube facebook deleted posts by well-known people in the field people who had a reputation uh who, who were working in this field who had, had you know had a, a provable a scientific uh background in this field were were like silenced on this and the press there were there were not stuff they were saying what was initially covered but then like completely blotted out in the press by all the other stuff you know we need to wear a mask we need to flatten the curve and um yeah it's a it's it's a it's a difficult situation with this 
with this virus and its approach to it. But, you know, it's very interesting. It's interesting to talk about, I think. I mean, this is... And we can do this on a podcast, right? I don't, I don't have any editor, I you know, who who listens to this and, and like, oh, well, you can't say that. That's too, yeah, that's too. Oh, we might get, we might get in prop, in 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 trouble here if we, if we if we advertise this on Facebook, right? Um, so I'm I'm very happy that you give me the ability to do that. And please, if you disagree with anything I just said or you know, generally said on the show, please write in. Um, same thing as Barry did, and I'm. I'm very happy he did so. So the contact link is um, in the show notes, privatecitizen.press, as always. And, you know, that's it. I guess that's it for the show today. Bit a bit of a shorter show, but seeing that I have still have a lot to pack, including this computer I'm recording it on and all the recording equipment, uh, I think that's for the better. I'm very happy that you came along and listened. I think I've explained the value for value model on the show. So, you know, you can become, you can do that. You can support me via Patreon and also via PayPal. Um, the details to that are also in the show notes, privatecitizen.press. And as usual, all the links, all the documentation, everything I talk about. So you can read it for yourself. Um, you can think it through for yourself. You can formulate your own opinion and then you can disagree with me or agree or whatever. But please do, please give me feedback. I enjoy that very much and i'm looking forward to you know after you know probably taking two weeks off now two or three weeks and after that i'll I'll be happy to look through all the feedback and you know um cover a lot of it on the show i think that that would be great and with that i think i'm concluding uh this last show from hamburg and uh to conclude the show as usual i have to thank everybody who's produced this show on the value for value model. At first, I would just like to shout out Raul Kabzali, who um, made the theme song, which I'm using, which I really like. And then also a thanks to Bytemark, which is hosting uh, cdn.fab.industries, as uh, also, you know, talked about earlier. And then... With that, I would like to thank everybody who's financially supported me doing the show, which is something that is uh, solely needed right now because I haven't been earning money for quite a while with me trying to trying to move. And also I went on holiday, to be honest, but yeah. Um, so thanks to everybody doing that. Thanks to Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Hathi, Georges Walther, Dave Butterbeans, Mark Holland, Steve Hose, Shelby Kruver, Kai Sears, Vlad, Jackie Pleisch, 1i11g, Philip Klostermann, Fadi Mansour, Jaroslav Lichtblau, IKN, Matt Jellyman, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, David Potter, Dave Amrish, Mika, Martin, Vitautas Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, SJ, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan and Richard Gilson Gilson. Sorry, sorry, messed up your name there, Richard. That was that was me not being able to talk. Richard Gilson. Thanks to all of you. Um, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it very much. I hope you like the content I'm producing. As always, I'm open to suggestions. You know how to reach me. Yeah, and with that, I uh, I guess I'm I'm winding up uh, the the last episode um, here from Hamburg which is a beautiful city and I um, like very much. I'll hope to be back at some point. But, you know, got to keep moving. I think I'm, I'm resigned myself to the fact that I'm just not a person for settling down. And I'm actually quite excited. I mean, the move is nice, but I'm excited for the new flat. I'm excited for the new 
neighborhood. I've already talked to a few of our neighbors. You know, it's a new building block there and everybody's moving in. Really nice people. I really miss the Rhineland and the, the rural area. You know, the, the people there are just so much more open and friendly than they're in Hamburg. Even though Hamburg is, you know, on the face of it, it, it is a nicer city. It's just lovely. Um, but, you know, going going back home to my old stomping grounds for a spell and uh, that'll be that'll be interesting as well until then you know I'll be back probably by the beginning of October um, you know check fab check fab.industries maybe um, there's a blog on there if something else happens another disaster I'll, I'll update you on that until then you know aim to misbehave like a good brown coat I'll see you on the other side from Düsseldorf goodbye